Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. We are so conferenced out that we have uh, we have learned to move from one message to the next. That was good. That was good. And end the day, not really remembering what anybody said. Some of you are here because you're desperately in need of God to talk to you. Some are here because you're curious. Others are here because you love this man. And out of respect to him, you've shown your face today. That's just facts. Maybe it's the kind of stuff you shouldn't say, but it's truth anyway. And there's something very, very, very deep and powerful taking place here today. The greatest mistake we make is to hurry through our schedule, putting time limits on God. Now, I'm, I'm the meat in the sandwich today or the stuff in between the cookie. It's tough being the middle guy. And I, I've got a choice i got to make today. i got to just do my thing and get out of the way because there's catfish frying. And... Before you can get to the catfish, there's somebody else between me and there's somebody between me and you and the catfish. Or something can a settledness can come to our spirit that says, Okay, Lord, we recognize you're doing something here, you're saying something. We don't want to be deprived of any of it. We're taking the pressure off the pulpit and take the pressure off you, Lord, and we're going to say, your will be done. If you got to take your watch off, or if you got to just slip out and keep your schedule and leave the rest of us free from your pressure. I'm not trying to be unkind, but I'm desperate. I thought the Lord blended this thing together yesterday. But today, <laughs> ooh, Lord. And it, in one sense, this message may sound different, but I promise you it is not different. It is the continuation, just like the Lord did yesterday. Amen. I, I, don't, I don't mean to be offensive with this statement, but you know that other than Brother Haney and Brother Suber, every man speaking in this meeting is a first-generation Pentecostal as far as the ministry is concerned. Now, I'm not casting disper uh, uh, disparaging remarks toward people who had a dad or a grandfather that was a preacher. 
I've got two sons that I pray that they're in no way penalized because their dad was a preacher. We think of it as an advantage, in my opinion, has a tendency to be a disadvantage. Because you got to get your destiny for yourself. And when you start with no destiny, you don't have one unless you get one. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. And I, Brother Morgan, I love you. Appreciate you. I'm going to do everything I can to not get you away, man. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him, give thought to it, meditate on him, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Be not weary in well-doing. For in due season you shall reap. The word do there literally is the Greek word for one's own. Do is actually one's own. It's, it's, a, it's a word of ownership. And time, there is opportunity and it also speaks of appointment. A definite, specific time. So if you would allow me to to, to give Wright's translation of that, it would be, be not weary in well-doing for at God's own appointed time you shall reap if you faint not. I want to talk to you about today the joy that was set before him. God bless you. You may be seated. I submit to you today that the necessary revelation for endurance is not heaven nor a desire to get to heaven. If Jesus endured the cross because of the joy set before him, it was not the joy of going to heaven. He had no doubt he was going to heaven. He didn't go to the cross because he needed to go to the cross to get to heaven. So he didn't endure crucifixion motivated by and strengthened by the joy set before him being the joy of heaven. Can I, can I ask you to consider the fact that heaven is too far away in our minds and hearts to be a sufficient motivation to be faithful to God. 
We may come to God initially because we don't want, don't want to go to hell. But I submit to you that it going to heaven or hell is not sufficient of a near-term uh, motivation to keep us faithful to God. And the Bible says we should consider Him. He is our pattern. Whatever the joy was set before Him needs to be the joy that's set before us. He is our pattern. We are sons of God. Question is, Brother Dylan, what was the joy set before him? What was that joy? Well, speaking the obvious, and I know this is obvious to you, but the chapter and verse uh, separations in this book were not in the original text. They were added by man. They do a tremendous amount of damage to biblical study and understanding of the truth. Because we make them divisions in our mind that God never made. And of course the book says, Study and show thyself approved unto God, a workman which needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And it may be a stretch in your mind to say that the chapter and verse delineations could be a wrong division. But when they negatively affect our understanding of the word of God, then they're a wrong division of the word. So the question then comes down to this. What is the joy that was set before him? I I take you, please, to the last two verses of chapter 11. It's just a verse or two away from where Brother Shatwell stopped. Verse 39 says, And these all die, these all having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Don't, please note it says the promise. It is the promise singular. There was a single common promise that everybody listed in this chapter believed but didn't receive and died before it happened. The next verse says, let me read the two verses together, and these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect, and that word perfect is complete or finished, brought to completion. Wherefore, That's a conjunction, folks. It's saying what just preceded is being joined to what is about to succeed the conjunction. Whatever is contained in verses 39 and 40 of chapter 11 is the revelation of the joy that was set before Jesus Christ that enabled Him to endure the cross. It wasn't the the, uh, uh, the anticipated joy of heaven. Woo! Praise God. Selah.
Hallelujah. Now, I know last that last session was very, very, very intense. But the, I, I like the way the Lord does things, you see. Because each guy does a little part of the message. When it's over with, you forget which one said what if you receive the message. I got enough confidence in Brother Morgan, like happened yesterday, even though I've heard one and I'm anticipating the other, that God's got all this put together. All right. Now, some of you came here to have an altered destiny, but you don't have a clue which direction you want to turn. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is right now about to point you in the direction to turn in so you can have your destiny. There is a destiny in this book that is ordained of God that He wants every one of us to turn toward so that we can be a participant in it. I preached yesterday and taught yesterday about being crucified with Christ. Why should I die out to myself? What is it would enable me to, 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 to think well of infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses? Why in the world would I want to be so positive about that stuff? What is it that could motivate me to be thankful for the gift of a messenger of Satan sent to put a beating on me? Joy, Brother Shadwell, there's a joy. It's the joy that's a product of the revelation of the destiny for the church. See, there is a corporate destiny. Upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not. Now, now let's be frank here. If, you know, you know. You know, there are verses like this that, you know, we, we believe God is currently fulfilling. Well, excuse me, if your God is fulfilling that verse, I don't want your God. Because my God is going to do a whole lot better job of fulfilling that verse than your God if you believe it's being fulfilled. I believe that is the destiny of the church. And it's going to be the destiny, the fulfilled destiny of the church before he says, come up hither. But it is not the current situation of the church in the earth today. It is a promise. He's called the end before the beginning. He's called those things that are not as though they were. Hallelujah. Praise God. Wherefore, seeing we're also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. What is this joy? We'll have to go back to Abraham. Chapter 11, verse 8. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith, oh, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise. As in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Now, that promise can't be the promised land. 
that promise can't be Isaac. Because everybody in the Old Testament lived, believed, and died without receiving the promise. It wasn't Israel. It wasn't the promised land. It wasn't Isaac or Jacob or anyone else. And whatever this promise is, they needed us for it to come to fruition. They, God gave, the the people in the Old Testament received the promise. The people in the New Testament are going to see it manifested. So the receiver can't take the credit. And the ones it's manifested for aren't going to take the credit because they weren't the ones that received the promise. And the ones that received the promise aren't the ones that see it come to pass so that everybody needs each other. We needed them. We need them to tell us what the promise is. And they need us to see it happen. And we need each other. That makes two halves to a whole. That's completion. And God is a God of completion. The promise. These all died in faith, not having received the promise. But they believed the promise. They saw it afar off. They embraced it. The word literally means they put their arms around it and said, This is mine. What is it? Well, we go to Genesis chapter 12 and find out what it is. I know a few of you have heard this. Let me tell you something right now. This is eating my lunch all over again. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Hallelujah. Mm. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. I submit to you that you can't find anywhere in history yet where that's happened. Well, time goes on. We go to Genesis chapter 22. Skip down around verse 14. With God gave Isaac. Went up to uh, uh, the place of sacrifice. The knife's in the hand, drawn back. Every muscle in his body is flinched. There's already a, a downward turn of the hips to bring the knife down with force, plunging into the heart of that boy. And God says, stop! And over the bushes, there's a ram caught. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord. It shall be seen. Next verse. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time. I invite you to read the scripture carefully from Genesis 12 to Genesis 22 and find out any other first time other than Genesis 12, 1 through 3. 
And as we read, we will find out that it's not just a repetition of the promise, but it is an expansion of the promise. Why? Because he gave Abraham the promise the first time while his name was still Abram. And he had to start on the journey. But when he talked to him the second time, he was a lot farther down that journey. And he had proved something to God that God wanted to know. Next verse. And said, by myself have I sworn. Oh God. God said, I'm swearing by myself. With my hand raised up, I'm swearing. This is the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help me God and I am. That's exactly what it means. He swore by himself. Men swear by deity, but no, no one's greater than God. So when God swore, he had to swear based on his own deity. I, by myself have I sworn, saith the Lord. For because thou hast done this thing, and hath not withheld thy son, thy only son. You know what that Moriah experience was for Abraham? It was his personal crucifixion. It was his personal crucifixion. Killing that boy was his, his crucifixion. His point of dying out to himself. And God provided a substitute. So that even in the midst of all of our trials, Brother Morgan, in the midst of all of our infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses, the one that's bearing the greatest amount of heat and all that's not us. It's our substitute. All I've got to do is just permit, just, just endure it. Just go through it. Because He's the substitute. But I've got to be willing to go through it. I've got to be willing to submit to it. I've got to be willing to obey God with it. And when I do that, He says, okay, now I believe. It's one thing for us to believe in God. It's another thing for God to believe in us. God does not fully believe in anybody that's not yet crucified. Next verse. That in blessing I will bless thee. And in multiplying I will multiply. Notice please. Thy seed first of all as the stars of the heavens. Second of all, as the sand which is upon the seashore, and one verse says innumerable. He tells us immediately that whatever this blessing is, we'll have two dimensions of fulfillment. One will be a spiritual dimension, the other will be a natural dimension. And then he says, see if you've seen anything close to this before, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemy. Upon this rock I'll build my church. And the gate of hell, gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Next verse. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. I submit to you, you study history to the very best of your ability, you will never find this fulfilled. To this date. Now we go to Genesis. Excuse me. Galatians chapter uh, 3 and verse 6. Is where we'll start. Even as Abraham believed God. And was accounted for, to him for righteousness. 
What was it Abraham believed? Did Abraham believe in God or did he believe God? Was Abraham, was it, was the faith of Abraham that was accounted for righteousness, Abraham's faith in God or Abraham believing what God said? Doesn't say that Abraham believed in God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. He believed God. What did he believe? Well, the next verse tells us what he believed. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, that's not, that's not the verse, it's the next verse, but I will read this one. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Those that are of faith are the, sa- are the children of Abraham. Next verse. And the scripture. <laughs> I love this verse. Foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee, Shall all nations be blessed? He just take, took Genesis 12 and Genesis 22 and brought them right into the New Testament and says, This is about you guys. But notice, Paul did not quote either verse correctly. Genesis 12 and 3 says, In thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Genesis 22 says, in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed. And he just took and, and meshed the two together and said, In thee shall all nations be blessed. Did he misquote it? Or was he trying to tell us that they were one and the same promise? That when I say in thee, his seed is in him. Because the Bible says that even the Levites paid tithes to Melchizedek because they were still in the loins of Abraham. So when he said, and these shall all nations be blessed, that includes the seed. And when he said, all, all nations being blessed, that includes the families. Now he called us the gospel. But this same writer in 1 Corinthians 15 says the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, how can there be two gospels? This looks like two gospels. Saying the gospel that was preached to Abraham is in thee shall all nations be blessed. And the gospel is also called death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, which is which? Is there two gospels? No. Because, because the Lord spoke of the Holy Ghost before the day of Pentecost, but it wasn't yet available. He spoke to Abraham. He didn't offer Abraham the fulfillment of the promise. What he offered to Abraham was, or excuse me, he didn't offer to Abraham what the promise was. He offered to Abraham what the results of the promise was going to be. So the gospel preached to Abraham was the results of the gospel. The gospel preached to us is the methodology of the gospel. It's just like, it's just like uh, uh, justification is the process and righteousness is the product. Sanctification is the process. Right, uh, holiness is the product. So the process is the death, burial, and resurrection. And the product is every nation being blessed. Both of the gospel. But they're one and the same gospel. One's a process. The other is the product. Now, next verse, please. 
So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. That's what I'm counting on. I'm counting on that. You see, we automatically take this blessing stuff and it means no pain, no problem, no pressure. But that's not what it is. Next verse. Uh, let's, uh, just for time's sake, let's skip that one. 11, uh, 12, 13, 14. Now, my precious friends, there is no interpretation needed as to what the blessing of Abraham is. It is clearly and specifically stated in this verse. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The promise of the Spirit through faith. The blessing might come on the whom? On the who? Now, it might be one or two, three, four of you in here with a little bit of Jewish heritage, but the rest of us are them. And in Galatians 3 and 8 says that it was foreseeing that the heathen would be justified through faith. And here we call the Gentiles. It's actually the same Greek word. And what is it? How? What is the blessing of Abraham that's going to come on the Gentiles? Notice, the, the nation, the holy nation. He didn't say, I'm going to bless you so that all of the holy nation would be blessed. And all the families of that holy nation be blessed. No, he said, this blessing is going to bless all families. And this blessing is going to bless all nations. Now here's our problem. See, this stretches us to a place that we mark this off as being impossible. Can't happen. We have a slight problem, Hebrews chapter 6. Skipping down to about verse 14. We don't have a slight problem. We got a big problem. We got a big, big problem. Let's go to verse uh, 13. Sorry. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing, I will bless thee, and multiplying, I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Wait, wait, wait. It says there, Abraham obtained the promise. No. When you study uh, vines and these guys on this, it says Abraham received his token of the promise. He received his portion of the, of the overall promise. His name was Isaac. He didn't receive the promise. God didn't, Abraham didn't see the fulfillment, but God gave <laughs> he gave Abraham his portion that says, see, it really is true. 
100-year-old man, 90-year-old woman bringing forth a child? Is one really more impossible than the other? Verse 16. For men verily swear by the greater and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all debate. The word strife there is debate, argument. In other words, end of discussion. Well, I don't believe that's really going to happen. Then you're calling God a liar. He vowed it. I believe God's going to get us, come back just to rescue us out of here. Because if He doesn't come rescue us out of here, there's not going to be anything left. Then God's a liar. And when your God comes for you, I'm not going because that God's a liar. I refuse to go with that God. He's a false, false God. I'll say that a little calmer just so you knew that wasn't me hyping this up. If the rapture took place today, I would politely refuse to go. Because that God is a liar. Because the God said he swore by an oath. Do you know what a vow is in scripture? This word oath or vow. It means to put a fence around yourself. To limit yourself. To guarantee something's going to happen. Now, let's, let, let's, let me divide here the difference between what Brother Shatwell was preaching and what I'm talking about because they're really not in contradiction at all. The will of God, the word tri- primarily translated will of God or will in the Greek is thelema, wish, want, or desire. It is the will of God for all men to be saved. That's the will of God. But we know that it, the Lord even acknowledges, even though it's His will, not all are going to be saved because many are going to be called, few are going to be chosen. But again, I think we need to let God define what few is. Because some of us use that few as an excuse to do our thing, live our life, and, it, and it's okay. To have no destiny, to have no motivation, to have no burden, to have no passion. There's only going to be few saved anyway. I don't, I don't need to get myself all worked up. But the purpose or the destiny of God is different than the will of God. The will of God changes. Yes, it does. That destiny preached about today, your place, your part in all of this is affected by you. God cannot for, and will not force you to do your part, your place beyond your willingness to do so. But now this is different. God said, this is my purpose and I vowed to do it. That means if you don't do your part, I either have to find somebody to do this through or I've lied. Verse 17. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the, to the heirs of promise the immutability of His counsel confirmed it by an oath. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. that I, but I, can't, I cannot imagine my Creator being so desperate to get me to believe something that His fear that I wouldn't just take His word that He was going to that he would actually have to swear 
than his word was true on his own deity just to get me to believe it was true. How desperate must my God be that he would stoop to having to swear an oath. I mean, men swear by God because they have someone greater to swear by. How much of a, how humiliating is it for God to have to swear by an oath when he can only swear by his own self saying, if I don't do this, I have ceased to be God. Well, I got to be honest with you. When the Lord gave me this this morning and I came to church, heard him preaching, felt it, and then I saw him go to Hebrews and I thought, praise God. And I was feeling such an anointing. There ain't much anointing happening here right now. You know why? Because anointing is like electricity. It's got to flow both ways. And right now, there's some of us dear precious folks here don't want to hear this. Because this doesn't just mess up your playhouse. This puts a bomb underneath it and blows it to such smithereens. There ain't even a crater left to your playhouse. I'm sorry. If I'm going to be on somebody's side, I'm taking Abraham's side. Confirmed it by an oath. He confirmed it by Brother Dylan, he confirmed it by an oath. He swore, verse 18, that by two immutable things, a promise and an oath, it is in, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Next verse. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entered into that which that within the veil. That's the joy set before me. I, my joy is an anchor in the trials of life, in what I'm going through right now, that I know all of this is temporary because God has made a promise to my daddy. And my daddy is Abraham because I'm his child. I am a child of faith. Abraham is my father. Verse 20, whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Let's go back to Galatians chapter 3. Uh, let's see what verse, let's go about verse 25 and see what that says. Galatians 3, 25, but after, but after the faith has come, we're no longer under schoolmaster. Verse 26, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. 27, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Verse 28, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond or free, there's neither male or female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. Verse 29, and if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, you can forfeit your promise if you want to, but I'm submitting today, and I know this is strong, really, really strong. But if you forfeit your promise, you forfeit your salvation.
Because if you don't believe what Abraham believed to have righteousness, you can't be saved without righteousness. You know, Brother Morgan, we go around the, we go around the place and, and, and talk about revival and harvest. And, you know, and it's just, it's like pulling teeth sometimes. Oh, this is just, this is just hard stuff. Why? Because like the man said, we don't have any sense of destiny. All we've got is excuses why God can't do something. And I'm the biggest excuse. He can't do it because if he's going to do it through somebody like me, he can't get it done. Well, I got news for you. I don't have to produce it. I just have to believe it. He's not putting it on me to produce it. He's only putting it on me to believe it. And when I believe it, it puts me in fellowship with Abraham, with David, with Isaiah, with Joel, with Peter and James and John and Paul. I'm all in the same family. I'm all in the same seed because they believe the promise and I believe the promise. Preacher, I don't know how you say that God can reach all these people when I'm doing everything I can just, just to reach a few. He spent 30 years in preparation. Just three and a half years in ministry to conclude the Old Covenant. The body of Christ on the earth at the end of the Old Covenant was one. And his presence and ministry in manifestation concluded the Old Testament. If you had seen him before the baptism of John, and someone had said, This is the Savior of the world. The Savior of the world building tables, chairs, bowls. The Savior of the world is spending 30 years of his life being a carpenter. You, you've lost your marbles. This is the Savior of the world? Why isn't he sitting somewhere under the, all the great teachers if he's the Savior of the world? What is he doing in a woodworking shop? Supporting his mama. Because his dad died, some, I mean, his stepfather died sometime. And, his, and Joseph was much older than Mary. And apparently he died because we don't hear anything more about Joseph after after the 12-year the mark in Jerusalem. He became the support of the family. Now, do you mean to tell me that God did all of that to conclude the Old Testament? And he doesn't have anything just as good, if not better, to conclude the New? Who is the body of Christ on earth today? Or do you believe in Scripture? I'm looking at a part of the body of Christ on earth today. What are we doing if we're not in preparation? Don't despise my carpenter shop. 
Don't look down your nose at this chair I'm building. At this table I'm building. Don't discount what I'm learning. I may not be learning what you think I ought to learn, but I'm learning that I can't do this myself. And that if it's going to get done, I've got to let him speak through me. I've got to let him tell me where to go and what to do. When he came out of that carpenter shop, he knew he couldn't do it. That if it was going to get done, it was only going to be the Father doing it through him. My precious brothers and sisters, I know it's not quite time yet because we haven't learned that yet. But friend, there's a day coming. There's an appointed time. There's an appointed time. And all of this you've looked down on, including yourself, and thought there was not much to it. And that God couldn't do anything through it because look at us. We're just a bunch of rejects. We're not even professionals. We're just, just carpenters called out of a carpenter shop. No, 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 no. You don't understand the difference it's gonna, it's gonna make when God says, okay, training's up. He said it. Do we believe it? He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do. What was he telling us? He said, you're, you're watching me minister at the end of the old covenant. But when I leave here, I'm going to start something new. And that thing I'm starting new, when it winds up, what my body's going to be doing on the earth when it winds up is going to be greater than what I've been doing here at the end of this thing. And we sit around. I mean, the, the man of God preached it this morning. We, 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 we act like this is it. We can just collect this up 100, 150, 200, make a good living and get it as pure as possible. That somehow we can please God. Well, let me tell you what. That may be what you're in training for, but that's not what I'm in training for. And every one of those devils sitting there that God lets sit there is doing a work on me. Getting me ready for what's coming. Every day I don't have the finances to do what I think needs to be done. I mean, you know, you know what he told them? He said, I'm going to send you 12 out and then later sent 70 out and said the same thing. Don't take any money with you. Oh, well, the reason we're not getting anything done, we don't have enough money. He said, don't take any with you. Because when it's time, I'm going to take care of it. I'm just using your necessity. I'm just using your lack to get you crucified. That's all I'm doing. But you're not going to endure your lack. And you're not going to endure your infirmity. And you're not going to endure your reproaches and your persecutions and your pressurized situations unless you've got some joy set before you. That's a hard thing you guys have been through. That's a hard thing. You know, my, my wife calls me Positive Peter. I think that's why me and you get along so well. Because you're so positive and so trusting. And it just 
blows your mind that somebody can't be who, 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 who they ought to be. Blew my mind too, frankly, in situations I've been in. I made up my mind a long time ago. If I'm going to err, I'm going to err on the side of trusting somebody that hurts me rather than being suspicious of and holding back myself from somebody that could have helped me. And if that means I get hurt in the process, then I've got a Savior that's able to heal any wound, fix any problem. Now, folks, do you think the Lord had no idea how many nations there were when he told Abraham all the nations? Do you think he was not the I am at that moment and had no idea of the future? Do you think the Lord really had no idea what he meant when he said all the families of the earth shall be blessed? You know, I'm sorry. I am a first generation apostolic, but I am a third generation Pentecostal. I've been around Pentecost all my life. I'm only a few months younger than the UPC. It was created in the fall of 45. I was born in February of 46. I was born, my mother was attending a new UPC church. I think it was Assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or I don't remember whatever that was back then. But it, it was Pentecostal. It was UPC. I was born in this. I know the attitude. This inferiority chip we've got on our shoulders. Like nobody loves us, the world's against us, and what we're trying to do is impossible, and if we can just gather up a little handful and throw a napkin over it and hide it so we can give it to the Lord and say, look what I didn't lose. Boy, we're willing to take risk on the stock market. We're willing to take risk in buying some rental houses. We're willing to take risk buying vehicles and animals and all other kind of stuff. But when it comes to God's business and kingdom, we're not going to risk nothing. Well, I'm risking right now, friend. I'm telling you something. Either... Either God is a liar uh, or between now and the rapture of the church, whenever you think it's going to happen, every family on earth is going to have at least one person receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's what it says. You know, I think I'll get up here where I can hide behind this pulpit because I'm afraid somebody's Call the guys with a straitjacket because you think I've lost it. They've been locking up people for years that believe what the Word says like it says it rather than tradition. There is nothing in history that even remotely resembles God having fulfilled Genesis 12 and 22. Nothing, Brother Morgan. Nothing. How can I believe he can save me 
in eternity, which is forever, if he can't even do what he says he's going to do here. Now, I, I came out of my country. My wife and I left parents behind, families behind. We didn't have any relatives in Maryland. Maryland. Annapolis, Maryland. We didn't have any relatives there. I, I followed Father Abraham. We left it behind. God loves me less. I cut the umbilical cord. <clears throat> Selah. Mm, Jesus' name, hallelujah. That, that was Chester, right? That wasn't Jesus. I just had to put that in there. So forgive me. The Holy Ghost. I know it's a different anointing, but it's the same message. The Holy Ghost. You, you, may, you may have your reasons for being in this place at this time this morning. But I promise you, I told Brother Morgan over a month or so ago what I was going to be preaching this meeting and this wasn't it. And there was a message I wanted to preach today because it's awesome. It's a it's one of the most blessed revelations I've ever received. And the Holy Ghost hadn't let me free from this. But Lord, I think I've preached this here before. He said it's not my business. My my business. The promise, folks. The promise. The promise. What is the promise? He said there's a great cloud of witnesses. There's a bunch of spectators in heaven. Everybody that's gone before us is there watching to see if it's going to happen. Because they need us. If this doesn't happen, their faith is in vain. If, if this doesn't happen, their faith, all of the life, all their faith, all the, every prayer they prayed, every bit of it's in vain. They believed God and died rejoicing even though they didn't see what they believed. How many of us? Excuse me. How many? Oh, Lord, I broke that. I broke it. Oh, God. I just stepped on the plug and broke the plug. These all died. They died. They died. They died. How many of us can die believing, not having received something we believe for and be just as thankful? How many of us can believe something for all, all of our lives and, and lay on our deathbed and say, thank you for believing this, but I'm going to let somebody else see it happen. Just thank you for carrying it on this far. That's what they did. Are we going to devalue that? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Samuel, Isaiah, Joel, Peter, James, John, Paul. They died thinking they were going to see this and had to lay on their deathbed or hang on a cross or put their head on a chop block knowing that what they'd given their lives to see by faith wasn't going to happen with their eyes. You don't believe that's the truth? I'll quote to you the words of David. Oh God, thou art my God. 
Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee. In a dry and a thirsty land where no water is. To see, the Hebrew word there is with the eye. Thy power and thy glory in the sanctuary. So as I have seen thee, the Hebrew word is seeing internally or perceiving. He prayed, I'm seeking you. Day and night, I'm like I'm in a, in a dry and a thirsty land. Because I, I want to see with my eyes what you've shown me in my spirit. David died and never saw it. God have mercy. Who, who am I that I would be allowed to live in this day where I'm going to get to see what they had to die, Brother Netherland, only still believing and having no proof physically or naturally that it was coming to pass. Who are we? And we're going to take this lightly? And we're just going to shrug this off? When everybody that's ever died in faith before us, their, their faith is going to be discredited and devalued without somebody playing the cleanup hitter? I hate to put a number on it. Somebody was leading service last night and said, act like you would if every prayer you had was answered. I just sat there. I leaned over Brother Travis and said, my first feeling would be, rather than joy, I didn't ask enough. My first reaction wouldn't be jumping and dancing. If automatically every prayer I've ever prayed was answered, my first reaction would be, whoa, I didn't ask enough. Because he said exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. Hear me, my friend. Either this book is a lie. Remember, an oath is the end of all debate. I'll discuss the scripture with you. But the only reason we'll be debating it is because you don't believe God's oath. You want the proof? I'll give you the proof. But, but that's only because you're not believing God's oath. The promises, the promises, the promise. Every family, br- brother, you know that's impossible. I think we sing God specializes in that which is impossible. Any promise that a man can produce isn't a promise from God at all. Every true promise from God is impossible for men with any type of ability or any kind of resources. But like Abraham, Brother Dylan, I don't have to produce this. I'm a child of Abraham just by believing it. Just believing it. Because you know what? The moment I stop disbelieving and start believing, I stop fighting it and stop start participating. Just cooperating. Just flowing with it. Whatever part I've got to do, that's not a big deal. I know I'm called to Annapolis, Maryland. I know I'm, I'm going to spend all of my life there. That's my place. That's my part in all this. I don't have to reach the world. I just need, I just need to do my part there. That's all. But while I'm doing my part, I'm believing Abraham's promise. I'm a child. 
I can't tell you exactly how many that is. How many families? How does God define a family there in Genesis 12? Is that, is that every, every living person in a particular lineage one of those? Or is it mother, father, and children? I don't know. I sure would love for it to be mother, father, children. But wh- however it is, I don't know. He said family. I'm a believe family. I like family because it's more focused than nation. When he said family, you know what he was saying to me? It's more than just one person in every nation getting the Holy Ghost. Every nation on this earth, as impossible as that sounds, is going to have an outpouring of the Spirit before Jesus comes. Or the Lord has broken His vow. I said it yesterday, I said it to you again. If it's not in the book, don't believe it. But if it is in the book, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? It's in the book. It's in the book. And this is just scratching the surface. I mean, what do you think Jesus told him going to, in, in Luke 24? Go and tear in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father. What do you believe he, he meant in Acts chapter 1, verse uh, 4, 5, 6, whatever it was? Tarry in Jerusalem till you receive the promise of the Father. What do you believe Peter meant in Acts chapter 2 when he said that, that, that he ascended into heaven and received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, which he, which he, he shed forth, which he now see and hear? What do you think he meant when he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to them that are far off, even to as many as the Lord our God shall call, the promise. The promise is the joy. 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 That's what Jesus saw. That's what he was Abraham's seed. Jesus was Abraham's seed. Referred to in I in Genesis 22. And in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed. Jesus is the seed. That was the joy. The joy. Can we raise our hands just a little bit and, and, and let the Spirit of God. Would you, would, you, would you take down your barriers, your defenses just a moment and let the Word of God bear witness with your spirit? At the very least, would you let the Spirit of God give you a desire to look it up for yourself, to study it for yourself, rather than just outright reject it? Would you let the Spirit of God challenge you to find the answer to this for yourself? In the name of Jesus. 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 What did he mean when he said stars? I'm going to multiply you to be like the stars of the heaven and the sand of the sea. Can anybody here count the stars? Anybody here ever counted the sand on a seashore? No, 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 no. That's what the Lord said Abraham's seed was going to be like. Our fear, if God does all that, we won't be able to control it. And you know something else? It may just get so big that our little peer pressure that we put on people to keep them in line with our narrow-minded thinking. I didn't say anything about doctrine. 
I've got no problem with doctrine. I've got no problem with the Word of God. It's the tradition I've got a problem with. And isn't it amazing that it's not really doctrine that we are trying to enforce by our peer pressure. It is tradition. I don't mean to be offensive here. Honestly, I don't. But I remember being a kid sitting in the, in the church that was started in my grandmother's living room in northwest Florida. Just a kid. Sitting there on Sunday morning visiting my grandmother. Being raised in the neighborhood, we'd come home occasionally. And sitting there. And I look around, it was pretty obvious to me there were some sinners in the house. And we were doing penny marches for birthdays and anniversaries. With sinners sitting there. As a kid, I remember as a kid thinking, they aren't serious about this. How do you take time out of a worship service for this? But it was perpetrated. You know why? Somebody started and somebody kid kept it going because dad wouldn't have been happy if you hadn't kept that going. That was a tradition. We've been doing that for years. And I use that as an example because I, I, I'm, I'm really taking the chance that nobody's doing that anymore. I, I'm, I'm really hoping and praying that in, night, in 2004, there's nobody doing that. But if you're sitting here doing that, I offer you my apologies. I'm not be, trying to be personally offensive. But you need to go home and pray about that. You tell me you got time in a church service with sinners sitting there. Maybe the problem is you don't ever have any sinners sitting there. And you got to do something to fill up the time. Well, it's been nice being in these meetings, brother. <laughs> no offense if you don't invite me back. I, I understand. There is nothing in this world that means more to me than this promise. I love all of you, but I believe in this promise cost me my fellowship with you. I'm going to stand with Abraham. It has nothing to do with doctrine. What I believe, I believe because God gave it to me. Because I was taught it by somebody. I believe Acts 2.38 or hell. I believe one God or hell. God gave me that. I can give you the notes where I studied it all by myself with no church and no preacher to go to. Sitting when I was supposed to be in study hour. Stacks of notes, all written out by hand. Studying it for myself. I got it for myself. I believe that with all my heart. But you hear me right now? There's more to this than just Acts 2.38. There's more to the gospel than Acts 2.38. The rest of the gospel is, In thee shall all nations of the earth be blessed. Do you believe all the gospel is just part of it? I realize this is ending up differently and I'm glad somebody's following me. So, But we know Brother Morgan is so kind and gentle and sweet. He's going to put salve in my wounds. <laughs> oh, praise God. <laughs> Forgive me. I have let my passion today Cause me to get a little more reckless than I intended to be. 
I'm not here to hurt anybody's feelings. But God have mercy somehow. If the Holy Ghost could just challenge us out of this little small world we live in. And to move into his book. If God, God, the destiny, how hard would it was to convince a Gideon that he wasn't a wimp call a fisherman and a tax collector call, call, I mean, call a hippie drummer call a guy that wanted to be an admiral a saved admiral I wanted to work the Lord in my life maybe I didn't cost you anything to be in this. Maybe it's your inheritance. It didn't cost you anything. One guy I graduated with is currently the top general in the Marine Corps. General Mike Hagee is my classmate. Second command of NASA is my classmate. One of my classmates has already been the chief of naval operations. That's the top admiral. The top guy right now in Europe commanding all U.S. forces in Europe is my classmate. The first astronaut to do any construction in space set across the desk for me for a year, my last year. I could have gone to heaven, been in the Navy, flown their airplanes. What a life. I bleed blue, red, white, and blue. I was born in a naval hospital. But the Lord said, no, this isn't your deal. Maybe this hasn't caused you anything. But I gave up something to do this that meant everything to me. I don't believe God asked me to pay that price to do nothing, to be a nobody. I believe he called me to be a part of the greatest thing he was going to do on the face of the earth. And if you didn't, if none of you didn't cost you any of that, that's fine. That's neither here nor there. We're all in the same body. We're all in the same boat. And we've all got the same promises. What are you going to do about it? Can, can we pray just a minute here? I don't know what you're expecting next. I don't know what I'm expecting next. I, I, I need to just sit down and turn the microphone over. But there needs to be a little prayer here. We need to pray just a moment at least. Are you just, are we just going through the motions? Are we just enjoying church? We, we just, we just, you know, is there any value to what it's costing you to live for God? Is there any value going through your infirmities, your reproaches, your necessities, your persecutions and stresses? Is there any goal or destiny in all of this? Wherever God brought us from. He's brought us all from a long way. But wherever He brought us from. Is there, is there any purpose in all this for you other than just to somehow save your hide out of hell? Or is there a possibility that God has handpicked each one of us to be a part of the greatest thing He has ever done in the history of the world? He always saves His best to last.
And we're, we're the last of the bride. When the rapture takes place, there won't be anybody else added to the bride. We're it. And we've been entrusted with the opportunity to finish it out. He said, go out in the highways and hedges and compel them to come in so that my house can be full. He's got a time. He's got a place. He's got a purpose. He's got a destiny. Do you have any joy set before you? In the name of Jesus, my God, my God, my God, my God, my God, my God. Yes, yes, Brother Dylan, this is bigger than us. It's not just bigger than all, any one of us individually, Brother Morgan, but this is bigger than all of us combined. This is bigger than every anybody even claims to be an apostolic combined. According to Brother Talmadge, for instance, there's about 20 million supposed apostolics in this world. Well, let me tell you something. If God only fills the same number of people percentage-wise that got the Holy in, in, from now to the rapture that He filled in the first 30 years of the, of the church, He had to fill 650 million people with the Holy Ghost. I believe He's going to do less at the end than He did at the beginning. It's got to be at least double. That means to me there's going to be a 1.2 billion people minimum Receive the Holy Ghost. Our minds say how. But my heart, my spirit says, I don't have to know how. I just have to know the one that said he would do it. Find my place. Do my part. Whatever he says, I want to say it. Whatever he does, I want to do it. Wherever he's going, I want to go there. Whatever he loves, I want to love. Whatever he hates, I want to hate. Let's stand and raise our hands to God. Here I am, Jesus. 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 Lord, I, I don't see myself like you see me. But you, you allowed me to be born. And born again in this day, at this time, at this hour. You knew, Lord, who I was before I was born. You, 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 you ordained that I would be a part of this thing. Don't let me fail you and don't let me fail Abraham. And don't let me fail that great cloud of witnesses. Jesus name one more time can we do that just one more time one more time I'm afraid to look at my watch and I apologize to you and brother Morgan in advance but the Holy Ghost is trying to do something here yeah I know this isn't near as emotional as as the end of the first session but God used that first session to plow the ground and this session is for the purpose of sowing the seed brother Morgan's going to come water on it a little bit or a whole lot one or the other in Jesus name 